Welcome back. I'm Larry Wilmore, Black on the Air. You are listening to. Appreciate you guys. Uh, it's not quite tuning in. I guess it's like just choosing in, I guess, right? It's air, air potting in. <laughs> yes, air potting in. Um, having a hangout pod today, one of my favorite things, um, with Bill Simmons, everybody. Welcome to the pod, Bill. I'm always available for you, Larry. I appreciate that. It's the, a, one of the few interview requests I, I the, get where I I'm know. just like, I'm in one time. I'm honored, the leader of the fearless leader of the Ringer Network. There's so much to talk about, Bill. And yeah. um, I had so much fun on your pod last time. We really shot this year a lot about everything. What I like about Bill is you could talk about so many different subjects and you had the same amount of passion you right. know, for all the subjects. And I need too. no prep whatsoever. I'm yeah, just I mean, we're not, neither of us has notes or anything. Yeah. This is a true hang, you know? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so there's a couple of things I want to talk about. And just for you guys out there listening, we're going to talk about sports here. So I know if we don't have sports fans, that's all right. This is still good. This is still good this stuff. This is sports you know? and Michael it's Jackson. Bigger. Wait, what's a, what's a better exactly. part than We're that? Exactly. We're gonna. I want to talk about the Finding Neverland thing uh, with you too. But let's talk about LeBron first, because last night, uh, today's Wednesday. No, today's Thursday. Last night, LeBron passed Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, on the scoring list, and he's been discussed as the goat and everything. It's um, it's over. That discussion's over. He's not the goat. He's greatest not. of all time. It, it. He ruined it. Yeah. How, how did LeBron ruin it? You think he ruined it, or I? I don't think he had a shot at it. Personally. This is his. This is his Godfather three. Uh-huh. This whole run right now. <laughs> but God- Godfather one was the the first you, run you all the LeBron way through Miami. As the Godfather. That's your analogy. I, this is his Godfather three. He overthought yeah. it. He killed everyone in the family, and yeah. now he's just by himself with Alex Caruso. Wow. Yeah. That is Alex a- Caruso is George Hamilton, the conciliary. <laughs> and. Uh- <laughs> Rajan Rondo is uh, Talia Shire. <laughs> yes, his sin was not having Robert Duvall, uh, aka right. uh, that's Ky- Paul George. Kyrie Irving is is uh, no, it's is Paul Robert, du- Robert Duvall. Well, no, is Paul George. Du- but Duvall was with them before. Paul George was never with. Oh, that's true. Kyrie, yeah, yeah. He, Kyrie he was drove Robert, Robert Duvall. Duvall. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like that. That's he good. didn't bring him into three. Yeah. You know, which you know to me ruined the movie. Basically, yeah. you got to have Bobby Duvall. Come on. He wanted like five million, and they and they were like, you know what? We're, we're going to salary cap this. Yeah. We'll get George Hamilton instead. Big do, mistake. Do you think LeBron's a tragic figure? He's he's no, not really. I don't a tragic think he's tragic figure. at all. I, but there I, is there's there's a tragic element to LeBron, and by tragic, I mean um, there's something that seems unfulfilled. Is that fair? It's not tragic because he can get out of this. Yeah, it's not tragic now, in the sense of how we view tragedies, but in the sense of storytelling. But this is somebody know? that really deeply cares what everyone else thinks at yeah. all times. And for him to admit that this was a massive mistake mm-hmm. and that he trusted. You're talking about going to the Lakers. Going to the Lakers and mm-hmm. and really not thinking it through. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he Why had, do you think it was a mistake? I think the mistake was this. He had an insane amount of leverage mm-hmm. heading into the summer, the July. He could have gone to a bunch of different teams. Potentially, he could have tried to chase a title. Mm-hmm. Or gone to the Lakers and and either you you just kind of rebuild, you throw mm-hmm. away this year and you say, right. it's me and the young guys. I'm just here for a few years. Let's mm-hmm. build something. Or you go to the Lakers and be like, I'll go there, but you got to trade all those dudes and let's try to build a contender now. Mm-hmm. Instead, he went there, never seemed totally like delighted by it. Even his press mm-hmm. conference was kind of- He didn't have one. 
Yeah, he just kind of showed he up. He showed up immediately. There was no yeah. pomp and circumstance at all. Right. Then the first month, I think he was feeling out the Laker fans and vice versa. It kind of mm-hmm. felt like it was the only time I remember a player seeming like he acquired the franchise versus the franchise acquiring the player. Yeah. And that so the dynamic was always off. But then it was the off. Anthony Davis thing just just completely submarined it because like when, when Isaiah Thomas went to the Cavaliers, remember the feeling that they felt like you can't come in here and just dictate it, you know, like right. that type Who of are thing. You? Where'd you come from? Yeah. And when LeBron came over here, it felt like he was dictating to people that were already there. There was that kind of feel. I'm not saying he did that, but it felt like that. Yeah. If you you're know? talking about leadership, he did a bad job. He came in. Mm-hmm. It didn't really seem like he owned the team. Didn't really seem like he ever embraced the coach. It mm-hmm. always had a feeling. That's why we did, we did this, this is bus. We did this parody of uh-huh. this is us like two months ago about right. how Luke Walton had contracted LeBron James. Cause it yeah. became clear he was going to get Luke Walton fired. <laughs> and we did a whole, this right. is us parody about it. Cause we knew this was heading this way. Yeah. We knew it was going to happen. And I just feel like he, he kind of put feet in both in both sides of the pond, right? Where it's like, I'm here, let's let's try to build something. But then at the same time, I'm trading all you guys for Anthony Davis. Yeah. And you can't be both. And I feel like if you know you're going to the Lakers, figure this out in June and July. What are you going to be? What's your identity? And but that's is, what they never figured out. Is it that LeBron's fault or is it management's fault for not putting maybe the right people around LeBron if they want to really contend? I think it's both. You know? But I, I think he should know at this point. Mm-hmm. He know he'd just been in this situation in Cleveland, especially last year, where he's playing yeah. with this inferior sporting cast. Like, why would you recreate that? Yeah. You had 29 teams you could have picked from. He could have gone to San Antonio. He could have gone to mm. Philly. Mm. He could have gone to Boston. Mm. I'm just saying, if you want to win, and he's all about like I'm winning, I'm like, what it, do you think he was doing by coming to LA? I just think he it was a business decision. It was I want to be in LA. This is where And of course it's not over. This is just this first year. You know, this first year was never going to be a championship year. It was going to end in a flame out somewhere. Listen, he's a lot of people felt it was going to be a flame out in the first round. I thought when the team was first put together, they had a shot at the Western Conference. I never saw them in the finals. What happened to the whole LeBron could LeBron and anybody is a 50 win team? Remember those days? Those days are now over. Well, I mean, he kind of showed that a lot, though. It wasn't like made up. I mean, he took a lot of those Cleveland teams. Right. That were 28 win teams and made, took them to NBA finals. Right. But you could, right. now looking at what's happened this year, you could say, well, that was because he was in the East. The East is easier. You know, maybe. And now or, he's in the West, which is a little bit deeper. But I, I also don't, I just don't think he's as good at basketball anymore. I still think he's an elite guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's in top. hurt him, right? Yeah, I don't he think he's a top a five guy bit. anymore. Yeah. Cause he, he's just, He's a zero on defense now. He really like conserves his energy on defense. Yeah. And then offensively, he can still get his numbers, which is why he's so great. He can still get to 27, 9, and 8. Yeah. But it's not the same. And it's not the same type of dominance. It takes a lot though. of work now. Yeah. Um, he's just not that you watch guys like Giannis yeah. and uh, you know, Anthony Davis are just like the younger guys who so, just have the fresh legs and it's much easier for them. Yeah. The, what's tough about LeBron, because I'm not a LeBron hater. I mean, I like LeBron. Um, I didn't like the decision and that kind of thing. You know me. I'm a Laker fan more than a player fan. Like the modern fandom, people are more player fans than team fans. Yeah. You know, there's still some team fans, but 
people are LeBron fans and they follow him wherever right. they go. And then that's they the new generation. Fan. That's the new generation. I'm a Lakers fan, yes. right? So I support LeBron more now because he's a Laker more than I've been a LeBron fan. So I just want to be honest about that, you know, because yeah. I've been critical of LeBron and all that. But it seemed to me like when we're looking at LeBron and Michael Jordan, like Michael Jordan would take a, a team of dysfunctional people and make them into a team. Yeah. You know, like he would take that. He'd take and, Misfit Island. Yeah, and whereas LeBron seems to take a team of normal people and make them dysfunctional, <laughs> you know, he does. It seems to happen. Like there's some dysfunction that that is created, and I don't know if it's his team off the court that starts that type of thing. Because to me, and for those that don't follow this closely, um, Le- LeBron uh, is part of Clutch Media, right? That's his agent. It's uh, one of his best friends since forever. One of his best friends and his. Uh, Maverick Carter is one of his best friends. He surrounded himself with his best friends. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I admire the guy. You know, you brought up people, started from the bottom, right? You know, you brought everybody with you. It was pretty good, right? But um, there was but, also some latent racism as this was going on last decade. Oh, okay. just in oh. basketball community where people are right. like, who's this? He's, he's got his young. Are they qualified? What's going on here? What does he think? This is like a rap group? Right. So they're like, fuck you. you And the undercurrent of how the NBA circles treated this was like. Didn't Phil Jackson have a comment or something? He said the word posse, but like LeBron's made mistakes too. He he got out of that whole Jewish money thing really fast. Right. But having said that, to me, the biggest mistake (laughs) in that Anthony Davis thing, uh, for those of you following, was that you could not separate that from LeBron. And if you're on that team, you it feels like your teammate wants to get rid of you. Yes. That's fucked up. And their team cratered is the moment that happened. Completely. There was, there's no saving this season. And I'm worried about even next season now because of that. Like, what do you do now? Like you have these, uh, you have this, this fracture. That's an emotional fracture. And it, there's a team identity fracture there. Like whose team is it even? Like, it seems like LeBron's the only person on the team right now. They, it really seems that well, way. What's funny is last mm-hmm. year, the last couple months, they had all these young guys because they were in the lottery, in the top yeah. seven of the lottery for like five straight years. And they actually felt like they were developing an identity at the end of last year. Yeah. Like, they had a young team that wasn't a playoff team, but was headed in the right place. Yeah. A lot like, you look at Sacramento right now, it's same same type of situation where it's mm-hmm. like, oh man, something's happening here. Now that's gone. And they, you that know. feeling that there are people coming up the in the identity, system. everything. Like, right. you know, because now you have, you, have, you had Randall, you had mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell, you had Ingram, you had Kuzma, right. Josh Hart. Um, well, Russell never played with Kuzma. Well, I'm just saying right. you have, you, right. you had those five picks that were all like in retrospect. Yeah. Good picks. Two of them are gone. Right. Um, they tried to trade Ingram and oh, and I left Alonzo, so that's six. Right. So you have these six guys that you basically threw away most of your decade, so you could bring in this new talent and lottery. All these people went to these bad Laker games for five straight years. Right. And it was the opposite of the process. Right. It, but it really was very similar <laughs> right. though, where they just threw away all these seasons. They ended up all these young guys, and two of those guys are gone. And Russell, I think, is now like a borderline franchise player. He's going to get like a max contract this yeah. summer. So you lose him. I like Russell. The reason you lose him is because you're trying to create cap space for a second guy so you can try to entice LeBron to come. How do you feel so about So you trade Mozgov's contract right. with Russell just to get rid of Mozgov's contract. You create the second cap slot. LeBron comes, and then you can't find the second free agent. And you end up getting Lance Stevenson and Caldwell Pope and 
uh, JaVale McGee, all these guys. But I guess what? I'd rather have D'Angelo Russell. But let me ask you this, Bill. As a longtime fan of the game, yeah. I, don't, I don't like this type of strategy personally. No, I think, it's awful. I think it's a horrible strategy. I don't know why people bought into it. You know, like I feel like Magic knows basketball, but I don't know why he's not a better GM. You know? I think he's been. I think the Magic Palinka co- combo has been mm-hmm. legitimately bad. Because you're right about D'Angelo Russell. They had no Russell, fucking right? plan. Right. Their plan for two years was let's get LeBron and Paul George. They're coming, but then Paul George doesn't come, and yeah. now you have LeBron, and now you have LeBron in the waning years of his NBA career, basically in a rebuilding project, which makes yeah. no sense. Like to me, the move is to trade him this summer. I know they won't, but they should actually really have a serious conversation of like, should we trade you? Or what if we trade you the Clippers? If you, you could stay in LA, you could just go there. The If they don't get Davis, there's not a lot of plan B, plan C, plan D guys out there. Yeah, You know, you just go on down the list. Do, do you think LeBron- And also like, I'm not sure guys want to play with him. I, like Paul George, like literally stayed in OKC yeah. partly because he didn't want to play with LeBron. And I think <laughs> he's getting the Kobe thing right now. He yeah. is. But right. let me ask you this: mm-hmm. Why don't guys want to play with them? Because this is a guy who's one of the best players of all time, and who seems like he'd be fun to play basketball with. Yeah. But I think why guys don't want to play with him, it's this body of evidence. I've talked about this on my podcast with mm-hmm. Rosillo. You've years of evidence now that when LeBron's team wins. He gets all the credit. Yeah. When LeBron's team loses, it's yeah. everyone else's fault. Yeah. And I think these other guys see that and they're like, "Yeah, it doesn't seem that fun." Yeah, they're just a- like LeBron's sidekick. But if if we're losing, I'm an asshole. Yeah, the Kyrie Irving thing was really telling. Not great. It was really telling. How about the Kevin that- Love stuff? Kevin Love's like. It, honestly, it seems like it sent him in a, some sort of spiral. Like he's yeah. had real issues and that he's talked about pretty openly about depression and stuff. Yeah, and I think terrible. a lot of it was yeah. playing, being put in this fishbowl. I talked to Chris Bosch about it three mm-hmm. weeks ago. Just like how hard it is to to be the sidekick for LeBron. It's right. not, you know, the, the fun part is you might win a title. The sucky part is yeah. everyone's blaming you when everything goes wrong. Yeah. Because every superstar is demanding, you know, Yes. People that have been as Kobe was demanding in his way. He was a bit of a sociopath, but still demanding. <laughs> a bit, yeah. Right? Magic was certainly demanding. You know, he he would call you out, but Magic praised you too. You know, he supported you both Magic ways. was great if you were doing well for him. Yeah. And, but if you look at the 80s, they got rid of but, a lot of dudes. But Magic also made you look good on the court. He too. did. He made he was you fun look, to play with. He made you look good. Um, so that that's the thing with LeBron. And I think this is the rub on him mm-hmm. when you talk about him in the all-time conversation. It's like, who are the guys that he really made better? Mm-hmm. Who are the guys that blossomed when they played next to him? It's it's more a case of like I think that's one part of the all-time, but I don't I don't put as much emphasis well, on that I'm as I'm saying most it's do. a it's a piece. Right. It's a lot of guys had to fit their games yeah. to what he was good at. Right. But like some of like magic. Yeah. Whatever you did, he was going to make you the best version of that. And exactly. I think Bird was like that too. And I, yeah. that's why I still revere those guys. Yeah, me too. Jordan, it was kind of a little like what LeBron and Kobe were like, where it's like, you've, you kind of have to fit into what I'm good and at. And you just kind of had to get out of the way because they were yeah. brilliant. Right. Yeah. It's really what that was. Yeah, LeBron the- had a little bit of that for his career, but he didn't, he wasn't able to capitalize. Like your Celtics stopped him at the time in his career when he was Jordan-like. 
where he could drop 45 and 50 yeah. on a whim and dominate like that. The 09, 2010 he, yeah, seasons. That's yeah. when LeBron was at his Jordan, his most Jordan-like. His best you know? team was that, the second Miami title team when they had that 27-game winning streak. Yeah. And Wade was still Wade. Yeah. Bosch was still one of like the most unique guys from that generation. Right. They'd Ray Allen. He was the first kind of stretch big player like that too. They'd Ray Allen. They'd Mike Miller. Had a good Chalmers team. was okay, but it was like the pieces fit perfectly about him and he was able to use all also, the best pieces of LeBron. And Wade was the de facto leader, really. He was. Like he, was he was the alpha He dog. was kind of like LeBron's older brother. And I think that helped LeBron. I did too. Where he could still be a kid. Because remember when LeBron's teams, they used to do all that stuff at the beginning of games? Yeah. With the, like all, all that stuff's gone now. You know, all that playfulness. You well, know? That, yeah, that was mm-hmm. what, you know, when his career really went to another level in yeah. 08, 09, and 2010, and yeah. you went to the games. I remember writing about this in 09, which is uh-huh. now 10 years ago. There was a real joy to seeing him yeah. in person. Yeah, And he was like the best teammate in the league. Yeah. Everybody loved him. He was so into all his right. dudes and really played with a joy. And I think that over anything else, that's what's missing now. Now that makes mm-hmm. sense because it's his 17th or 18th year in the league. Right. I can't even remember, but- you watched last night, and it's like he broke the MJ record. Um, was clearly just was yeah. counting the points in his head. He finally does it, and there was like no warmth at all. No. A couple you guys come see, over. You didn't see like a rush of. Um, and the thing is, the, he, the he, fans weren't going nuts because he barely belongs to them. He's at not this really point. a Laker. He's not really a Laker. No, it's just kind of sad. I know. Like when I saw that, I was like, this would have been so much nicer if he had stayed at Cleveland and done this. It would have been so much a much nicer moment. I did this. Those whole, fans would have gone crazy. Oh, they would have gone Cleveland nuts because Cleveland was a rival of Chicago. Obviously, it would have meant so much it, more. It would have been so much more. It would have meant something in Miami too. But I, I did I an interview he had stayed with in Cleveland. Actually, I really do. Well, remember when I he went back were, there in 2014, and it was I'm coming home. I'm here. I'm here for I don't the rest know why of my career. He and Gilbert couldn't work it out. Why do you think? I don't think it was a Dan Gilbert thing. Yeah. I think. He probably just didn't like Dan Gilbert from the earlier days, but uh, I really just think once he brought them that title, mm-hmm. he just started thinking about how can I use basketball as a platform for these nine other things I want to do? And the mm-hmm. best place to do that is in LA. Right. The compromise is now he's on the shitty Laker team with no outs. Yeah. You know, and they could. They're not going to stay that way, though. They're going to be better. But the, Are you the, sure, though? What, yeah, what? no, they will be. Because I keep it. Laker fans no, keep telling be, me this. Me. And I, I'm like, are, how are they going to be better? Because they, they will do you be. trust the people running the team from the decisions they made the last two years? They've been terrible. Magic and Plinko have been terrible. But, yes, I agree with that. Even trading uh, what's-his-name to the Clippers was one of the worst things ever. Everything they've done is that bad. That was a horrible trade. Um, but I think they will be better. I think they have no place to go but up. But... Whether he wins a championship, I'm not sure, but I think he has maybe one at the most in him, and it better be. I don't think it's with this team. Better be the year after next, because that's going to be it. Window's going to be closed after that, but it's not going to be next year. Athletically, Mm -hmm. he's there's subtle signs now. Yeah, he's really can't play hard on both ends night after night anymore because he's he's got sixty thousand miles on him at this point. Right. His explosiveness isn't quite there anymore. Like he just can't jump the way he used to because he's. 34. He slows down the game in a way that is not conducive to the modern style, too. Exactly. You know, so the other players end up, you know, standing around. But it's, it feels very Jordan's wizardy, wizards, wizardsy to me, yeah. which I'm actually a defender of the Jordan Wizards era because he took three years off. 
Yeah. And came back and was on kind of this weird team and it, and was just I felt like he was playing at the Y in those years. It really it really kind of yeah. did. <laughs> there was something cool about it though, but they yeah. went like, you know, they were a 500 team. It was mm-hmm. still kind of amazing. LeBron's not even going to be 500 this year. Mm-hmm. And this was Jordan 3 years off in a pretty competitive league. I think it's sad though because you know, this is one of the five greatest players I'm ever probably yeah. going to see in my life. And there there was just better ways for this to end. There, it seemed like he was in his last season last night when he got that. Didn't it, it seem did. like that? It, it felt like yeah. last year Kobe or 89 yeah. Kareem or 92 Kobe Bird. Kobe scored 60 points in his last game. Right. He took <laughs> he took 130 shots. It was but, crazy, but it was so Kobe-esque. I think it's a, the, the macro kind of idea with this whole thing is mm-hmm. – it's become now more interesting for these guys to make basketball part of all the things they're doing. Yeah. Where I think magic and Jordan were probably the first guys who looked at basketball as Mm -hmm. like, this is the number one thing I'm doing, but I also want to have these things going. Yeah. And now it really is starting to feel like for a lot of these guys, basketball is one of the things they do. Yeah. And it's not that singular focus. Right? And yeah, and you hear guys say now, I want to own my own team and I want to launch a movie studio, mm-hmm. which I think is great. I love ambition. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm awesome. obviously an ambitious guy. It's just the fabric of it has changed a little bit because in the old days, LeBron would have looked at this free agency and mm-hmm. been and been like, what's the best basketball situation for me? Mm-hmm. And now it's like, what's the best life situation for me? Right. Which is fine. I don't begrudge him. But it leads to things like we saw last night where he's getting he, congratulated by Alex Caruso. Yes. <laughs> Congrats on passing MJ. Oh, man. We did a ringer video about That's it. That's so sad. You just made me so oh, sad. Man. We did a ringer video about it where he hugs him and we had somebody dub in, hey, you doing, man? I'm Alex. <laughs> As he hugs him. Who, who are you again? And you, but it's uh, kind of sad. It's I like, know. He, he, he can't be happy it, about he this. He did the opposite or the contrary to a Kevin Durant decision, you know, where Durant made a. a a decision to win. That's right. the decision that he made. He's like, I'm tired of not winning. I'm going somewhere yeah. where I'm going to win. I want I you want know? the best teammates and the best organization around yes. me. And this is what I want. Yeah. We're, but now Durant's next decision is going to be, I want to go to New York because I could be a huge star there. And I could. So he's going to make a LeBron decision there. Yeah. Yeah. I think all these guys are. I don't like, but here's what I don't like about the modern uh, player mentality is they want to be GMs while they're playing. You know, like who yeah. make the players wise about player combinations? Because player combinations, chemistry play a big part. Role playing plays a big it's part a in good teams. Idea. Like good players don't know that they're not, they shouldn't be GMs. You know, it's fine to say I'd like to play with somebody. But when you make the decisions for a team, that's where I say, hold on a second. Who made you the wise person about player combinations? You just, nah. you can't just say somebody is good and that's going to make a good team. Um, well, he did this to Cleveland after they won the title, and he basically held a gun to their head. He yeah. wanted them to re-sign Tristan Thompson for eighty-five million bucks, which was yeah. just sheer lunacy. Right. And then he wanted them to pay J.R. Smith too, and they ended up paying those guys thirty million a year. Anybody with half a brain was looking at this, going, "You guys won a title. Like the worst thing you could do is tie up your cap now for the next five years. Right. Like the flexibility is way more important. Let those dudes go." Right. You can replace rebound guys. Completely. You can replace two guards who really only yeah. jack up shot sets. This is the easiest positions <laughs> yes. to replace in the league. Those are smart GM decisions. And the Cavaliers were telling him that. Right. And he was doing the whole, 
I don't know, man, if you don't do this, I I might not come back, you know, cause he's, he's doing these one year contracts to mm-hmm. hold them hostage and ends up really fucking up their cap. And then he leaves yeah. and leaves like this wreckage behind. And now it feels like he'll do the same thing to the Lakers. The difference is he at least signed a four year contract this time. But does it make sense to trade your entire team for Anthony Davis? No. So you just have Anthony Davis so. and LeBron and that's it? LeBron so. doesn't, he, he could do the three-man team in 2011 mm-hmm. with Wade and Bosh when he was like a young guy. He can't yeah. do that now. Well, you still need guys around you. I think clutch sports hurt Anthony Davis, you know. Oh, 100,000%. I, really I don't think Anthony Davis would have made that move of saying, trade me in the middle of the season. It just doesn't seem like he would have done that. You know, I mean, I don't know know Anthony Davis, but I can't imagine anyone who's working with him to advise him to do that and not wait to the summer. Why would you do that in the middle of the year? Well, here's why. I mean, it's, it's, but it's a terrible decision. But here's why they did it. The Lakers had one advantage to trade for him. And it was before the trade deadline this year, because once that passed, now it gets to the summer. And now you have all these other teams. But that the Lakers didn't have an advantage. There's no guarantee they're going to trade. Lakers what do you mean? Ha- Lakers didn't have an advantage of getting him. No, I'm saying if you're Rich Paul. No, if strategy-wise, if the Lakers were going to have an advantage over the rest of the league, you know, they should try to get him. But it doesn't mean that they would get him. Exactly. Right. But I think what they th- what Rich Paul thought was, if I push this now, right, and I say I want to go to the and Lakers, I think it's so cynical because it put your client in a horrible position. It was terrible. You alienate him from his fan base. You look, but players, why did he do it? He did it for LeBron. But you also have because LeBron's his buddy. It's it's terrible. It was a terrible decision. Who's your closest Hollywood friend? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm who's not really who's a, like your guy? I don't really hang out in Hollywood. You know, you don't have. Well, let's all right. Let's say um, I don't really have how. I mean. I have people who I know. But I was trying I, to think of an analogy for this. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you did something because like you were trying to help mm-hmm. Bill Maher show, right? And it would it would really help Bill Maher show if this happened now because if it didn't happen now, mm-hmm. then it gets to June and like Trevor Noah could get this guy or yeah. all these <laughs> other things. And it's, showbiz doesn't yeah, work. Like no, that. I know. I'm, just, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to make a convoluted analogy, uh. but like um, they really had this short window where the Lakers had an advantage that they tried to exploit and it completely backfired. It was and if bad. anything, it has now turned into a disadvantage. Yeah. So there's four other teams now that have a better chance and all these Lakers assets have been devalued. It was bad from every aspect because it would have been different if Anthony Davis had signaled last summer that he probably wasn't going to sign something. That would have been different. But he signaled the opposite. I also uh, lost respect for him. You signed this max contract with this team. You're yeah. only three years in. Yeah. You're allegedly one of the best three or four players in the league. Why aren't you taking your team to the playoffs? Yeah. Earn your paycheck, right. man. You're, getting, you're a, paying $30 million a year. You they have look, a good team around They you. look good last year in the playoffs. Yeah, you know? they, he's who got Drew Holiday, who's like a top 25 guy. They lost Boogie Randall's good. Yeah, maybe they're a couple of players away it's from like making. Just, how about this? Prove you're a good guy. Maybe they're a couple of players away from making a solid run, you know? I, I mean, they had the same record as the Lakers, which I think is ironic, but um, I, all of it sat wrong with me. And it just speaks to, it's gener- it's a generational thing. I talked to Adam Silver about it mm-hmm. last Friday about just this players hopping teams. And mm-hmm. does it say more than just about basketball players? Is this just what yeah. like people of that generation are like, or it's like they're constantly searching for happiness mm-hmm. and it, 
you're 80% happy on the Knicks, but I'd, I'd be a hundred percent happy over here. And then you mm-hmm. go there and then you're not happy there either. And maybe that's just what the league is now. Yeah, I don't know. Had, I, I loved your conversation with Adam Silver. It was, it was awesome. Uh, Thank you. Um, it was kind of sad too when he talked about the depression that players and the are loneliness, going yeah, and the loneliness. Why do you think that is? It seems like it's it's magnified in basketball more than anything. Do you think the money there's a correlation with the amount of money and kind of the isolation that players are? I think it's like a seven part answer. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it, I think, is just background from mm-hmm. a lot of these guys where they came from, what their financial situation was before they came mm-hmm. in the league, and then all of a sudden making a lot of money where you have all these people in your life who right. want a piece of mm-hmm. left and right. They want to take At such a young age, especially if they haven't gone to college or spent one year. One well, year, think how young that is. Like one you're year, 22. You're, I was going to say, you're still 18, 19. Cause some of those kids are even younger, right? When you blow up like that and you get that big contract exactly when you're 21 or 22 or that type of thing, you're so young. So you have that issue. You have the like, issue. I would have been a mess had I made that. Me too. That type of money at that I would, age. I would have had like, right. I don't know what would have happened to me. It right. would have been bad though. Right. Um, then you have the AAU generation. Yes. That that whole thing of like from age 12 on, everybody's sucking up to you. Nobody everybody's no trying to you. get you on your team. Nobody in your life says Yeah, whatever no. you want right. constantly. So you have that. Um, you have social media mm-hmm. where you're being just critiqued 24 seven. Right. These guys all look at their replies and it's just a constant, you know, it's like, it's basically like what heckling was in the seventies when we went to basketball mm-hmm. games, but now that's whatever. And then you just have technology. And this is one of the things Adam talked about where you have these guys that are on teams, but they're not really hanging out ever. Yeah. And the game ends and they put their headphones on. Right. And then they go from that, yeah. the bus to the charter and they have their headphones yeah. on there and then they land and, and they're in their, their suite. Headphones and these guys, and phones, yeah. These guys are online all the time. Mm-hmm. They've not, not, you know, they're texting and DMing. They're connected, but not really. And they don't hang out with each other. And, you know, I, I'm not sure it was like a million times better 30 years ago, but I do think they had relationships and interactions. If you read the books mm-hmm. from back then, where you read like breaks of the game and unfinished business and mm-hmm. the franchise books about somebody who spent a year with a team. Right. These guys all fucking hung out. Yeah. They had time to kill. They're in airports waiting for a plane right. that's two hours late. And now they're at the restaurant. And now these guys just go from point A to point B to point C. Right. And I think they even up, that even that dream team in Barcelona. Like yeah, they, they actually all, hung out. They were all hanging out. They went to like gambling and, and Monte yeah, Carlo exactly. and shit like that. Right. And you know, so I think what happens a lot of times is these guys end up with the three or four people mm-hmm. that they kind of started out with. And LeBron is the best example of that. But um, a lot of times, other times, there are you know not everybody has Maverick and Rich Paul. Like those guys are mm-hmm. actually smart guys. A lot of times, you just have entourage dudes that are happy to be there that mm-hmm. it's like, Oh cool. I, I'm, I get to live in your guest house and I'm, I'm one of your three friends. And those right. are the guys they trust. Cause they knew those guys when they were 15, 16. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I, it's weird to feel bad for guys making 25 million a year, but I right. do think it's a really hard position to be in when you're really young and you have all of these choices and you have way more money than you ever thought you'd make. And mm-hmm. you have constant pressure to come through and um, there's really nothing like it. I mean, when you think about like Hollywood, think about Eddie Murphy, where he became the most famous. At 19. Yeah, the most famous actor comedian we had by the age of 21, mm-hmm. right? He, mm-hmm. he comes out 48 hours trading places. Mm-hmm. Then after this cop. After right. Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Beverly Hills Cop comes out in 84 and mm-hmm. it's the biggest comedy of the year. And now he is the biggest star in the world. And mm-hmm. he's like 24. Right. 
And he's had a really strange life, you know? He's Well, you can think about it. He was in his 20s when he did Raw, I think. I think he was still in his 20s. Oh, yeah. When he did he, Raw. And, he was and 19 his, on SNL in 1979. And his material was talking about being afraid of giving half in a divorce. Yeah. Who has that material when you're 26 or 27? He's 26. Yeah, your material is, you're, I'm afraid of giving half of my millions to a wife. You, you're 26. How am I supposed to relate to that? And then like he directed Harlem Nights, which is, yeah. some people actually like that movie. But yeah, he thought he wanted that. to be a director, but he realized it was too much work. He's like 28. Yeah. He's directing Red Fox and right. all of these Pryor, like yeah. legends, Richard Pryor. And yeah. he's like, but I'm Eddie, a director now. And, and everybody's going, yeah, Eddie, you're a director now. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm a musician. I'm going to release them. And they're like, great, Eddie. Every decision he made, he just had all these people enabling him around him. And yeah. that leads to weird shit. So now you have these NBA guys. And I think a lot of them, um, I think it's just really tough. And it seems like the ones, the ones that have handled it the best seem to have some sort of structure around them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I look at somebody like Curry. I don't know how stable he is, but it, it seems relatively stable, right? Mm-hmm. He's got a nice demeanor to him. Sure, He's got big extended family. Mm-hmm. He's married. He's got kids already. And there's some structure. Yeah. Um, and I think that probably helps. LeBron has, you know, he's got a wife. He's got a couple kids. He's got his buddies. Mm-hmm. He seems relatively, you know, together. Mm-hmm. But Jason. I think some other dudes, like I look at Duran, I'm like, man, that dude, you know, he's he he went from had a really tough life growing up, really yeah. tough, like about like a nine out of ten on the tough NBA growing mm-hmm. up level. Yeah, goes to Texas for eight months, gets drafted, goes to Seattle. He's there for a year. Right. They moved to OKC. Now he's in OKC for Little the next no. nine years, yeah. and then he goes to Golden State and gets caught up in this whole. You know, and that's really just been his life. He's not mm-hmm. married. He's got like his three or four buddies. He's got Rich as his business dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's only 30 years old. And it feels like a hundred things have happened to him. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Do you think, um, what's your opinion about um, the modern athlete now in activism? Because I know LeBron, the way that people kind of separate him from Jordan is his role in the political world or the political sphere, weighing in on things, his support in the community. You know, he's very outward about that. That seems to be on the positive side, but I don't know. I have mixed feelings about those types of things and the whole Kaepernick thing and that sort of thing. Where, where do you land on that? Do you in, do you like that? Do you think it's some people, it's not really in their wheelhouse or maybe, or, you know, is, is that something that you require from athletes? Because I feel like some people, they seem to require it nowadays too. You know, I'm more interested if if the person actually has something to say. Mm-hmm. I think I think we can in 2019. It's very easy to seem like you're saying something, but mm-hmm. you're not really saying anything, right? And LeBron has definitely been more outspoken, but I'm not sure he's really mm-hmm. said much. Yeah. Do you feel like he said? Has he had? I don't know if he's taken moments where you're like, oh wow, LeBron, great point. I don't remember LeBron coming out front on something and leading something where he said, hey, this is going on and I'm calling attention to it. Like in the way Kaepernick came out on the police brutality. I mean, I have my own issues with that in different ways, but but everybody knows if you ask them about Kaepernick, you know what the issue is. You know, it's fair enough to say he led on that issue, right? I thought what LeBron did with Trayvon Martin was important. 
Yeah, so it, it was an, at an important time of mm-hmm. as that was unfolding, mm-hmm. and it was one of the first times athletes had really used their platform. That's when they wore the T-shirts, right? Yeah, it was subtle, but I, I thought it was yeah. effective, and I thought it mattered. Right. Um, no, they did the hoodies or the hoodies. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. But um, um, I think the thing when LeBron, you know, there's a way for an athlete to seem like they're being outspoken, but they're not saying much mm-hmm. where they, you know, they do like the sports is a businessman. Although the Trayvon Martin thing, the whole nation was kind of, you know, a lot of people were kind of following that, you know, and kind of, I mean, even the president spoke out on that. You it know? did, but it, it just it felt didn't... important that he, he weighed in because we were from our history with this stuff mm-hmm. was that NBA players just stayed away from this. Right. And, you know, I, I think, I think there's a ways there's mm-hmm. a way to go right with this stuff. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not really, sure. I'm not sure if people look to him to. I know. I don't see what his opinion on something is. Yeah, I don't, is. I'm not really that interested. That being that spokesperson or whatever. Well, let's see what LeBron has to say about it. Right. I don't know. I think it's really hard for an athlete to be interesting on that level mm-hmm. um, because, like, who like think of like your top four athletes in your lifetime that right. you're like. I can't wait to hear what that guy has to say about this. Mm-hmm. Well, I, my top one is Ali, of course. You know, Ali is Ali but, is the gold standard. But Ali, he was a unicorn, you know, and, he and was. a lot of what Ali said was in reaction to something. Uh, people feel that he Ali really wasn't the leader of something as much as he was the reacting to something. And part of the reaction was that you know he was. I won't say attacked, but, you know, when he became a Muslim and Nation of Islam and all that stuff, you know, they changed his draft status. And yeah. and he ha- he reacted to that, you know, and he spoke out because of the things that were happening to him. You know, he was... Well, he's, he spent a lot of time questioning why. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that's the most important thing yeah. somebody on the platform can do. It's just like, why? Why does this work this way? Why should I have to do this? And he also talked very um, boldly about race in the 60s in a way that no athlete did. Where you listen to it now and you go, oh, shit, he was keeping it 100 back then. He you really know? was. He And, I, you know, I lo- the difference between him and Kaepernick, for me, just as—, as it seems like Kaepernick, it really does seem like they didn't want him to play, mm-hmm. right? When Ali wasn't allowed to fight for five years, he he really wanted to fight. Like mm-hmm. he was turning over every rock, yeah. trying to get a fight. Through all 50 states basically banned him. He was trying to go right. to Canada and leave the country at one point. Um, he was he was touring the country, mm-hmm. giving speeches to college kids, reminding them that he mm-hmm. was the heavyweight champion of the world. And you really felt like this was somebody who, like, like this was the most unfair thing that had ever happened in sports, basically. Right. And with Kaepernick, he became a celebrity from what was happening to him. Mm-hmm. And I, I always wondered about the cost benefits of if he had really pushed hard to play again versus the way it was playing out. Mm-hmm. The direct line of, well, I'm... I'm I'm really making an impact the way this is going. Mm-hmm. It almost seemed like it was better for it to go that way than for him to be like, here's video of me throwing today. Right. All I want is a job. I I'm gonna stand outside the Tampa Bay Buccaneers headquarters today mm-hmm. and I'll all I would just let me throw for an hour. There was some line that he never crossed with that where I felt like Ali was just desperate. I just want to mm-hmm. fight. Please let me fight. Well, and I, think I I'll never I'll never know. And Kaepernick hasn't really talked about it from his end. 
how much of it at some point did he, did it become clear he was going to win a suit from the NFL and get paid for some money? And that mm-hmm. this direction was actually a better vehicle for him. Yeah. And I mean that as a, I mean that as a compliment, like maybe he felt like he could make more of an impact the way it was going versus if he tried to play football again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that requires a long conversation because I have a lot of issues with the whole thing. I just think a lot What's of What's your biggest issue with it? I think it's a non sequitur. I just think football and police brutality are non sequiturs. I don't think they have right. anything to do with each other. So I don't know why. When people started protesting the NFL, I'm like, what do they have to do with police brutality? Nothing. Zero. I don't understand the connection. Like, what's the upside? I just don't understand the connection. You know, if someone chooses to use their platform to call attention to something, that's fine. You know, but but football has no connection to that. He, he it, like if he was a basketball player, he could have done it. Basketball has no connection. To but that. if he's trying to raise awareness yeah. for what he's upset about, I have no problem with that. But he, you could argue that he did, though, right? I'm saying I have no problem with that. But I'm saying football has nothing to do with the issue. That's what right. I'm saying. You know, so there's a bit of a non sequitur in there when people. Oh, what it became, I think, was yes, weird. correct. Where then people, where it was the owners kneeling and all, like, it was, it like, was ridiculous. No, it ridiculous. was ridiculous. It was terrible. Football has no obligation to support any particular cause. Football is is about football. Yeah, they're under no obligation to support any cause if they want to. They're fine. That's why I said if he if his cause was breast cancer, it wouldn't have been the same thing. You know, if he said, look, I'm going to kneel during the national anthem because I don't think we're doing a good enough job on saving women from breast cancer. People would be like, good for you, Colin Kaepernick. That's good. People disagree with this premise, you know. It would be funny if somebody tried to emulate what Kaepernick did, but they were Mm -hmm. kneeling because, like, they don't like what's happened to Facebook. Yeah, I mean, it's... (laughs) And people are like, wait, (laughs) I'm not kneeling. I'm turning my back to where the uh, TV studio is because I'm against media. (laughs) Right, right. And it's like, well, what does that have to do with the NFL? It's got nothing to do with that. But um, I'm raising awareness against Facebook. Okay. Uh, anyway, let's, I, I actually liked how it started, and mm-hmm. I didn't like where it went. I agree. I, I with thought that. what he did was I great. Thought, I, I agree with that. He was, and then once it turned into something else, it became one of these. First of all, stop using the word protest. It's not a protest. Mm-hmm. All he's doing is kneeling. He's not protesting anything. To me, it's a call attention to. It's yeah. the same thing as wearing an armband or wearing the pink shoes. Or wearing whatever it is. Like to me, the solution that I don't know why the NFL didn't find a solution of a call attention to, where it's like, you want us to call attention to this. Why don't we do this? For one game, we can have everybody in the league wear an armband to call attention to this cause yeah. or that type of thing. But it but the pro when it sounded like a protest, I'm like, what are they protesting? What does the NFL have to do with police brutality? It's not a protest. Well, you know? let's be honest though, it, it tied into a whole bunch of other shit that was going on. But it was a, like the perfect match. Right for this gasoline soaked <laughs> yes. everything, and Kaepernick well, was like, "Hey, watch this!" And people found villains where they wanted to find. Oh my villains. god! It yeah. just like the timing of that. If it had been two years earlier, it's a right. completely different story. But when you're talking about what else has happened in the country, yeah. it's just uh, that was it. Yeah, and then after this whole collusion thing, to have Robert Kraft in a massage parlor, it's just twice. Like, That's your boy, man. That's your boy, Patriots. My dude went back. Well. Yeah. On the morning of the AFC title game, yeah, went to this fifty nine dollar massage at a strip mall in a private jet. Was there for fourteen minutes Took and then hopped on a private jet to the AFC title game. It's fourteen minutes. What that's is crazy. What are you doing, Robert Kraft? That's nuts. Like to me, that's like you've just completely lost your mind. That is not part of the Green New Deal. That type no. of behavior. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. 
old rich people fucking lose their minds. That's crazy. This is the story of our country. It makes no sense at all. People now, if you're like, protesting that. <laughs> old rich people lose their minds. <laughs> well, owners doing that and then not doing this. Just fucking whatever. lose their minds. Hey, one more yes. plug really quick. We did a show for Hulu. Uh-oh. About The Bachelor called Can I Steal You for a Second? Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it was the first thing we produced like like this. It's like a big TV show. Nice. Um, but we did it ringer style, winners and losers. Very nice. Um, there's a lot of talk about what happens if The Bachelor gets an erection on a one-on-one date. It's all the kind of wow. stuff that we want. I think about these things every th- night. Constantly. Yes. Um, I'm not sure there's a lot of overlap with your audience, but for uh-huh. the rare Larry Wilmore listener that also loves The Bachelor, hey. check it out. It's on Hulu. Hulu, Can I you guys. you for a second? It's dope. You'll love it. Check it out. All right. So, uh, we talked about this for longer than I thought, but that's all right. So this Finding Neverland, yeah. uh, the whole Michael Jackson thing. Oof. Oh my God. Um, I have a revelation for you. I watched it. I watched mm-hmm. part one with my 11-year-old son. Really? Yeah. Why did you do that? For a couple of reasons. He loves mm-hmm. Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think it's really important for kids. I think Pat, maybe like 10, 11 and on mm-hmm. to see stuff like that, to know- mm just to kind of know what to watch out for. I, I, I don't think Did it's- Did you know what you were going to see when yeah. you sat down to watch it? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. look, the kids these days, they've heard every word already yeah. by the time they're nine. They, mm-hmm. They're on the internet watching on YouTube and all these places. They know they know what all the words are. Yeah, I, re- I really wanted my son to know, like, you know, the whole issue of grooming somebody and mm-hmm. like all that shit. Like, I was like, this is a good time to learn about this stuff because this mm-hmm. stuff's important. Um, did, did you have an opinion about Michael Jackson in this arena before this? Did I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was a pedophile for mm-hmm. the last ever since the stuff in ninety three, ninety four. Right. I could never. That's actually when I formed that opinion as well. Well, I could never get past like you just remove all of that. You take mm-hmm. away all the music. You yeah. take away all the celebrity and all the spectacle. And just fundamentally, somebody who just wants to hang out, hang around with 10 and 11-year-old boys all the time, that's fucking weird. I'm yeah. sorry. As and it's parent, like, we're going to have sleepovers and we're going to all sleep in the same bed. It's like, I don't care what who are you, you are. About? 35-year-old man cannot sleep with 10-year-old boys. Sorry. And also, like- yeah. It's just not right. What parent would ever in a million years allow this? Say, like, the thing that was great about that documentary, I thought it was too long. Um but I thought I thought it was really convincing and powerful how it portrayed mm-hmm. this was just like these families were so desperate to be a part of Michael Jackson's life mm-hmm. and be around the celebrity of him. Okay. That they they literally turned off their parent. As a parent, your number one, literally your number one most important task slash um responsibility. Do not put your kids in danger. That's it. That starts from the day the First, kid is born. Do no harm. Yes. From the day you mm-hmm. have this little baby and you have to feed it and mm-hmm. make sure it doesn't fall over and sleep on its stomach and pass out. And then when it starts walking and it's bumping into things, like you're just constantly protecting your kid. That's your job. So to see these parents who are just so enchanted by celebrity that they just decide to stop protecting their kid, that was my big takeaway. Have you ever been? Has there been anyone in any area of fame that has an intoxicating effect on you at any time in your life where you could relate to that? 
not like that. Mm-hmm. Like who's know. who's the biggest person in your eyes? For me, it would have been Ali, but I still would you, don't. You would have let your kids sleep no, in all these. That's bed? what I mean. Even yeah. as much as I admired him. There's a line. I guess that, mine would have been Larry Bird. I, I wouldn't have let my kids sleep in the bed with him. Yeah. I guess athletes, it seems kind of weird though. Yeah. Is it yeah. also like we all love mm-hmm. Michael Jackson so much. It, it's really hard to explain like how mm-hmm. beloved and popular he was. Like when the Motown 25 mm-hmm. special, which I watched live. Right. I saw it was it honestly like one of the five greatest telev- television moments of my life. Yeah, it, was it was just like absolutely electrifying. Yeah. Um, it was this as. That and the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show equally changed instantly when they were aired. When those things yeah. aired, culture changed. The day before was not the same as the day after when the Beatles went on Ed Sullivan and when Michael Jackson did the Motown tribute. The other amazing mm-hmm. thing was there was no YouTube and internet back then. So it just kind of came and went and it became mm-hmm. like seeing Bigfoot or something where you just, right. you went to school. I went to school the next day. We all talked about it, but it wasn't and, like we could cue it up. And MTV, we all saw it. MTV was segregated at that time too. Oh, hell yeah. You know, there were big issues. Even I remember David Bowie segregated Segregated's a compliment. It was yes. way worse than no, segregated. Racist, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we loved him so much that when he started to really go off the rails, mm-hmm. There was a lot of well, you know, he never, he never had an adolescence, so he's mm-hmm. trapped in his adolescence. And do you think people? Well, he was never a normal adult, so you know, this <laughs> is just this is he identifies more with eleven-year-old kids. It mm-hmm. never made sense in the time, just for the record. Right in the late in the early nineties, this was like this is weird. We made jokes about it. Yeah, it, w- it wasn't like this was. We found out now that he was a pedophile. We made jokes about this in nineteen ninety-two. No, believe me, I was one of the people making jokes. Yeah. Um, do you think there's a difference between singers, people who create music, you know, even the R. Kelly, what this is going through, and people who wanted to turn their backs on that for a long time, Michael Jackson, and just fame itself, people who are famous, like the Bill Cosby thing, where people didn't want to believe that Bill Cosby could do such a thing because he had that image on the Bill Cosby show, which, you know, you could argue Bill Cosby was as famous too during the during the eighties. He, he had the that, Cosby thing. We didn't want to hear the Cosby Show. Was an people forget how big that was at the he time. He was America's too. dad. It was unbelievable. And if you know? anything came the out, the two biggest stars were Michael Jackson and Bill Cosby in nineteen eighty eight. You know, yeah, and probably yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, to a certain extent, I guess. But you forget, but like with Cosby, there was. Some, I think a couple things came out, and everyone's actually no way. People just they're running it. a racket on him. Yeah. Bill Cosby, come on. But Bill Cosby, there there wasn't the type of uh, romanticism that Michael Jackson had. There's That's what no. I mean. It's different with people in music because there's something that music adds to people's lives that's just different. Well, he like, was our Elvis. Yeah, and people look back at certain times in their lives and there's music attached to those times that they remember. You know, So even now when people think of Michael Jackson – they look at through those rose-colored glasses of tying that music to a time in their life. So they don't want that to be shattered. You know, they don't totally. want I think that's a good they point. don't want the instrument of that to be this I I think evil. I think that kind of act is evil, you know. I would when say you're grooming children to have sex with them. It's I would just, say if you watch this It's one of the worst things ever. If you watch this four hour documentary, you're not gonna be a Michael Jackson fan after. Now a lot of people are pushing back because it's these two Guys, and and I think Robson is that his name? Wade Robson. Wade Robson. I think a lot of people have a lot of comments about him. Well, Um, I think part of the problem was that he testified in the lawsuit and testified for Michael Jackson and flipped it. And people think he's doing it because he wants money. But if you watch the whole thing, it's like if he, if, if this is all 
a racket to try mm-hmm. to get paid for a documentary. Like th- this guy's one of the great actors of all time. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people are so cynical towards this type of account? Well, I think the Me Too era, I think we're becoming less cynical, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think if anything has happened over the last couple of years, we are much more likely to trust an account that's backed mm-hmm. up with a lot of different facts Is, do you think maybe we were. Does it feel like there's a little bit of a backlash with this Michael Jackson thing? Like, I feel like there's a feeling that people may start pushing back on the Michael Jackson thing because he had such a huge fan base, you know? Like, I'm not sure what's going to happen with this is what I'm saying. You know, I feel like in the moment right now, people are like viewing that thing and it seems harrowing, but I feel like I'm afraid that that's going to be wispy and kind of go away. (laughs) I felt like that happened when he died though. And then once that happened, it was people, it became, I remember I was working at Kimmel show and we had just launched. It was, it was early Oh three. Right. And it was right when we started to play video clips in the monologue. Yeah. And you know, Jimmy launched a show and we didn't really know what the monologue was yet. And then over the course of about six weeks, kind of figured out, oh, it'd be funny if he reacted to video. Mm-hmm. And one of the first ones was Michael Jackson had this, I think it was like 2020, this kid mm-hmm. that um, was coming out and suing him. And I think that was the 03 lawsuit. Mm-hmm. But there were these weird videos of them together just giving interviews together and like interacting. And mm-hmm. I remember Jimmy, like us all trying to figure <laughs> like out. they were a couple or something. Yeah, how to make fun of this. Cause yeah. it was obviously so creepy, but it was also like really kind of weirdly funny. Like how mm-hmm. weird these interviews were. It was, they were like a married couple. Um, and I don't know for anybody to say, like we didn't know in the early nineties, I think everybody kind of reconciled it and came back to the point of, well, the music was great. You know, and we'll put all the other stuff over here. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of just what people did, which is really crazy, but that's you, what happened. Can you separate the like art from bad person? So, or is my, there is there a time element involved or anything? Or? My son turned, my son's 11 now, but when he was like four or five, he went through this huge Michael Jackson phase. He just loved mm-hmm. them. We bought him a jacket on the internet. He dressed up like Michael so Jackson. So you let him go with that. You didn't tell him, hey, sorry, this is a bad person. No, we didn't. Mm-hmm. And now I, I actually look back at this documentary. Um, After I watched the documentary, I was like, ah, was it good that we let him have the Michael Jackson face? Mm-hmm. But I probably not. You know, I look mm-hmm. back now and I'm like, ah, maybe we should have pushed him away. But I mean, the music. Is there any chance that we're wrong? Do you think we could be wrong about this? Like, do you think there's a chance those guys are lying? I don't think there's any chance. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the documentary was devastating. And what, what was really devastating to watch was how he would find the new mm-hmm. 9, 10, 11-year-olds. And mm-hmm. it was almost the same way like Leo DiCaprio finds models. It's like, <laughs> oh, who's Leo dating? Right. Oh, he's got this new Victoria's Secret model who's 22. Mm-hmm. And with Michael Jackson, it was like, oh, he found... This ten-year-old that, yeah. uh, and now that's the guy who he's bringing to premieres, right? And if anything, he was kind of like an evil genius because he's he's just doing it right in front of us. It's like instead mm-hmm. of bringing a date to a premiere, he's bringing some ten-year-old kid, and right. And none of us are like, thinking what? this is you weird. You guys see me do this? What's Come on, wrong? you bet, Tommy. Come on. <laughs> What the fuck, guys? Seriously. You see me with these kids all the time. It's not so. But the thing I is, believe that I do believe that 
if he is an evil genius about this, that it would make sense not to touch people like Macaulay Culkin and and Starz because they could strike back in a very right. public way where he couldn't fuck with that. You know, he um, picked he picked people from families that weren't wealthy, right? Um, families that were just so over the moon to be delighted to be in his orbit that mm-hmm. they were willing to overlook very basic things. Mm-hmm. And then as the documentary pointed out, like there's a couple of times where he just used money to, you know, all of a sudden he's buying, so he's buying a mortgage for somebody's house and then he just bought the house. And- the worst was like when the trials would come up and then he would like ingratiate himself again, you know. I remember Vanity Fair, which I think wrote about him, I'm going to say 94, 95 mm-hmm. range, Maury North, because she wrote about this a bunch of times. We wrote about her on The Ringer. We interviewed her this week. Mm-hmm. And Vanity Fair was having one of the great magazine runs of all time in the mid-90s, which yeah. is compared to what, what it is now is, is kind of sad to look back at. But, you know, they had Dominic Dunn writing about OJ. Mm-hmm. Then Maury right. North. Right. They had... Uh, they had the piece that led to the insider movie. It was just mm-hmm. like every issue. There's two or three big things. It's like Esquire in the sixties. Yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and they really were just killing it. And right around then they wrote like this devastating Michael Jackson piece. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I was really like, Oh man, mm-hmm. this guy, I love this guy. He's, <laughs> right. I, I might, I, right. maybe I shouldn't love this guy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What do you, the the black community, what do you think? It's torn. I think the black community's torn. I think they've always had the thing and, where when he started like changing his skin color and all that stuff. Well, to that, me, I always made the joke that he did that so it'd be harder to identify him in court. You know, where it's like, oh Jesus, <laughs> yes, point to the man who molested you. He's right over. Oh, <laughs> wait, oh wait a second, wait, is that him? I thought it. Wait, <laughs> that's not the nose. Oh, no, sorry, Your Honor. Uh, I can't identify him. But um, I think the black community is torn because you have to remember the black community's relationship with Michael Jackson goes back to the Jackson Five. You know, everybody else goes back to Motown, you yeah. know, but ours goes back to Jackson Five, ABC, and Stop the Love You Save, all that stuff, you know. Which and, is, I, w- and people gave up on Michael Jackson right before. The off the wall and all that, but not the black community. You know, the you know the Jackson Five. They were all done and all that stuff. They were the Jacksons at that point. Nobody really cared. You know, what's the and what's the Mount Rushmore? Is it in terms James of, Brown, Marvin Gaye, Jackson Five? Should I think like for for highest approval rating for that type of for a certain type for of music, music for the black community? Yeah. You know that's funny because I think it does change over some years. You know, I'm but, just I'm talking about the old school. That was really like if you're gonna do the Mount Rushmore, yeah, Jackson Five, Marvin Gaye, James Brown. I don't know who the fourth is. It's not quite the Commodores. I wouldn't put Jackson Five up there. You wouldn't? No, not really. With James, not with James Brown and Marvin Gaye. I would put Michael Jackson up there. Well, that, the but Jackson. that's what I mean. With Jackson Five, you get Michael Jackson. No, but Jackson Five is a group. But then it becomes Jackson Michael Jackson. No, but they don't belong in the same breath with. Uh, with uh, James Brown, not the Jackson Five. Jackson, but if Jackson I'm including Five, Michael Jackson, I get it though. But Michael Jackson as an artist is different from. The All right, Jackson so you Five. go Michael Jackson. All right, so we yes. remove Jackson Five. Michael Jackson, James Brown, yes, Martin Michael Gay. Jackson belongs to James Brown. Yes, okay, but not the Jackson Five. Right. See, there's a distinction here. Yeah, because yeah, that that body of work was fine, but it's not in the same category as James Brown. So that was his. Yeah. That was his LeBron on the first run on the Cavaliers. <laughs> yeah, whatever. We don't yeah, get. You yes. don't get. You don't get the heat. Different. You don't get the 16 it's title. It's just different. But come on, 
Off the Wall and Thriller in a completely different category. Off the Wall than, is amazing. Than ABC and it's you know I want you back, which are fine, but it's pop confection. I'll it's be there. The is pretty great. Yeah, and Ben and all that stuff. Never, never can't say goodbye. All those things. I think that a lot of good songs. It's all great stuff, you know. But that's. But what know. about Jane? I mean. But it's James, not James Brown, Brown. There was another devast. There was a devastating piece about him recently. About oh yeah, but I mean look, he I'll, I'll, talk about talk about a but dark dude. Something. But that generation is filled with that stuff. Marvin Gaye. That generation is filled with, with with all that kind of dark stuff. Okay, so there's a question though. So if we know those people were all fucked up, like it seems like everybody can was we play, fucked up. Can we play anything on the radio? Who wasn't fucked up? <laughs> I mean, Chuck Berry. We know what he did. Chuck to Berry might have been the he weirdest. Was terrible. He yeah. had the camera toilets. It was terrible. Yeah. Trying to think who was normal. Yeah, Chuck Berry. This. I mean, Jerry Lee Lewis married his cousin, who was like 13. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, and. So black community is torn to go back to that. I think black community is like, stop doing this to the people, to our people. Why aren't you going after the white people who do this so much? Which people are, you know, but it, it's just not the same. It doesn't feel the same. And then there are people who feel like this is fucked up and shouldn't happen. I remember when I was a kid, Elvis, the tail end Elvis, I remember. Mm-hmm. And he was just kind of the fat, sweaty guy who right, used Vegas, to be Elvis. But and- the adoration and love people had for him. And when he died, it really did feel like, I remember when he died, I didn't even have any feelings about Elvis, but it really didn't yeah, feel like one of the biggest deaths ever. Yeah. Um, See, he died the same year as Groucho and that was bigger to me. Yeah. Right. And then <laughs> um, Lennon died in 1980. Mm-hmm. Well, he was shot. He which was killed, killed the Beatles. Right. And, and then Michael Jackson. What do you mean killed the Beatles? I mean, there was always this romanticism that the Beatles might get back together, right? Mm-hmm. And then when Lennon got assassinated, that right, sure. that, that era was over. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Jackson kind of moved in there and he became, it was like Elvis, the Beatles, and then mm-hmm. it was Michael Jackson. Right. And I think that's what makes it so complicated is he just hit this level of success and love and adoration mm-hmm. that really only a couple people ever have felt. Yeah, and I'm Sinatra, not- Sinatra was the other one. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure- Anyone since Michael Jackson musically has gotten to that. Do you think Beyonce? I don't think that. I don't. In terms of adoration, maybe? The music's just not there. I mean, you have to. But the adoration probably is. But you have to be a transformative musician, I feel like. Elvis and Sinatra and the Beatles. It's up there with Michael Jackson at his height, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think Beyonce just people love Beyonce, but it, yeah. the me well, we're not going to be telling our grand our grandkids about right. like music that Beyonce made. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a weird one, but I thought it was worth watching. I think all documentaries are too long now for some reason. Like every it's like everything yeah. is two parts when it should probably be a part and a half. And it was and, more like uh, a deposition than a documentary. <laughs> yeah, know? it really was. You know, but I I think it's a really important. I I almost wish. Maybe I should, you know, I almost wish there was a slightly edited version of it you could watch yeah. with your kids because mm-hmm. I think the whole concept of grooming and who to trust and yeah. when to trust somebody. It's very powerful. My generation, when I was growing up, every school I ever went to, we ended up ha- retroactively having the scandal about the teacher who yeah. like took a crack at some kids. I went to Catholic school. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. And what was weird was each time when we heard something was coming, we knew who the teacher was Mm -hmm. because you kind of knew at the time. You go, oh, I know who this is. Right. Right. And we, 
you kind of navigated things differently back then. We're much mm-hmm. better at protecting our kids now. Back then it was kind of up to the kid a little bit more. And it yeah. was like, maybe don't go on the camping trip with that teacher when you know, like. Do you think a Michael Jackson situation could happen today where we would view the behavior he had in the 80s now? I think we'd have a different eye towards that now if we saw I think where a people singer are, hanging out with, the, with little kids. I think people are so much more not only educated, but mm-hmm. knowledgeable about science right. to look for. I look mm-hmm. at that stuff. My kids play sports. Like mm-hmm. if we had, my son plays travel baseball. If we had some yeah. coach that was oh, like. Oh, they could sleep in my rooms. No yeah. Good. It's like, Hey, we're going on yeah. a road trip. Uh, I thought it'd be good for bonding for a couple of the kids to sleep in my yeah. room. We don't need, we don't need chaperones. Yeah. So. All of us would be like, what? We're not doing that. Fuck you. Yeah. But in 1980, you could, the coach right. could be like, Hey, I'm going to take Timmy and Bobby and he's going to stay with me. I'm like, great. Okay, coach. (laughs) Sounds good. You know? And I think like the the ultimate example, this is the gymnastic scandal. Yes. And this horrible, this, this really genuinely evil doctor who's like, Hey, I got to, you know, it's part of the checkup. I have to do this. And you have all these parents going, okay. You have a sore throat? Take off your pants. Let me check you out. Wait, I have a sore throat. What are you talking about? I mean, that guy was a fucking maniac. And you have hundreds of parents who ignore 90 red flags because they're just trusting the process. I think those days are over. The Catholic Church, all that stuff. People don't trust anything. All those girls being able to face him and, and make all those statements was one of the most powerful things in the world. It was just amazing, you know? Yeah, that guy was, you know, the the reality is there's a shitload of bad. I watch, for some reason, I really like the movie Spotlight as a rewatch. Mm-hmm. When it's on, I end up getting into it. And yeah. you think like, uh, you know, I grew up in Massachusetts and I I knew, and then I went to college there and I lived there after. And I knew so many stories about mm-hmm. like, I was an altar boy and then this happened. And, yeah. And when that came out, it first of all, it almost didn't come out, which is one of the best things about that movie. Mm-hmm. And then when it finally comes out and they finally are able to write this story and kind of attach it to the top, which it's very all the president's many, how they, how it's constructed. Mm-hmm. And it ends with the story goes out, Hey, here's a tip hotline. And it's just the phone's ringing off the hook. And they, and that's when they realize they have stumbled into something that's even a hundred times bigger than they ever imagined. But if you, if you lived there at the time, everybody knew somebody yeah. or everybody had heard a story or heard this or that. And I think the internet, we always talk about the dangers in the internet. I, I would say one good thing about the internet is it's made people much more aware of all this stuff. That's so when your question about Michael Jackson, I think absolutely we would have sniffed this out a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. Like what's going on here? How does somebody not hang out with adults ever but we don't think this is weird. Right. You know? Gotta protect your kids. Um, well, man, that's amazing sitting down with the kid. Um, um, all right, Bill. Well, thanks for sitting It's in, kind of man. a somber note. Want to end know. on a happier note? Yeah, let's end on a happier note. Who's going to win NBA championship? I don't know. Um, I, have no, I have no I think idea. People are going to be surprised that, Golden, that the Golden State Warriors will not be in the NBA finals. That's my prediction. They certainly have all the red flag. Identity marks and it will right now. Probably be the Houston Rockets. Could be OKC is in there because, and I'll tell you why. I think James Harden is not going to have that same kind of debacle game he had last year. I think he's going to be on a mission. When people are on a mission like that, it's good luck. 
And if you don't have the same hunger, good luck. <laughs> you know, right? Because Golden State, yeah. Do they have all the talent? Absolutely. Do they have the hunger? I don't think so. The on-off switch is always dangerous. Yeah. What about you? Because remember, like they, the the oh three oh four Lakers, it yeah. was the same thing, yeah. right? After they won the three titles, oh, yeah. they'll be fine. Yeah. They'll turn it on. But we and sometimes inj- it's not there. We had injuries and stuff. Too. That's the thing. You you get somebody banged up or exactly. What piece of pop culture content are you the most excited about in two thousand nineteen right now? Pop culture content. Give me an give me an example. Music, movie, or TV. Um, you know, I'm not really on the big Marvel train as some people, but I always enjoy it because it's something I get to do with my son. Yeah, <laughs> I was kind of grown. Those things are always fun. I've handed all that stuff to my wife. Yeah, I don't know if I, I have anything I'm looking forward to because I'm in the business of creating stuff right now too. So, so it's hard for me to pay attention to a lot of things. Did you talk about Green Book on this podcast? I don't think so. Did you like it? I don't think so. Uh, I I kind of checked out in the middle when the white guy's teaching the brother how to eat fried chicken. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, sorry, that this is wait, who? I thought this was a true story. How did this become fiction all of a sudden? There is no white man in the world that is going to teach a black man in the 1960s how to eat fried chicken it's and how to listen to Aretha Franklin. Sorry, just isn't going to happen. It was. It I was, don't know why they had that in the movie. It's it a rough made part no of the movie. sense to me. I and knew it was going to win the Oscar, and I bet on it to win the Oscar, and I won money when it won the yeah. Oscar. I after the Pats Chiefs game, right? I had my dad and my two uncles. Visiting and we watched the Patriots game. <laughs> that's the massage game. Now. My, yeah, that's the massage game. That's <laughs> <Right. laughs> funny. <laughs> when we won the massage game, you won the massage game. The, yeah, uh, my dad's seventy-two. My uncle Bob had just turned seventy, and my uncle Don right. is like sixty-two. Uh-huh. I have to do a podcast, so I'm in the back, mm-hmm. and they need to kill two hours. And I had the screeners. I'm like, yeah, sure. Watch Green Book, right? I come back in and there's like 20 minutes to go. And they're like, mm-hmm. this is amazing. Yeah. This movie's awesome. And I, I'm just <laughs> laughing. I'm like, this is why it's going to win the Oscar. This is. Did you enjoy This it? is the wheelhouse. I thought it was well done. Yeah. I didn't think it was the best movie of the year. I thought it had flaws. Yeah. I think sometimes with movies now, especially when race gets involved, mm-hmm. we go nuts. Yeah. People lose their fucking minds. Right. And. It, you know, it's flawed like a lot. Black Klansman was flawed too. I didn't like the last 10 minutes of Black Klansman. Yeah. Um, but with this, it's like when you mess up race and when you have mostly white people doing a movie like this, right? it's really hard to win. It's all about who controls the narrative. I've said this a thousand times. That's the times. thing. They it's lost about, the narrative. It it's not off. about how true the story is. It's who controls the narrative, you know? And the fact and, that Don Shirley's family was like, fuck this movie. I hate that. We all hate this movie. That wasn't great either. Um, yeah. I thought it was a really weird energy at the Oscars though, because you had- That part doesn't bug me as much because that happens in a lot of those types yeah, of movies. Yeah, it just it didn't yeah, help. That didn't bug me that much. But it didn't help though. It didn't help. But to me, you just can't have a white man teaching a black man how to eat fried chicken in the 60s. You don't even need to go further than that. It's like, what the fuck, guys? Seriously. this Not even driving Miss Daisy, which he, you know, tell Hoke how to eat fried chicken, for Christ's sakes, you know? Right. This is ridiculous. And look, you're not even taking a Southern character who would do that, which might have a little more validity because it's a Southern food fried chicken. But you're going to tell me a racist Italian guy from New Jersey is going to teach a black man how to eat fried chicken. It doesn't make sense on any level. What's funny, Spike used to, Spike 
popularized that whole magical Negro thing. This yeah. feels like there's another phrase like that for well, these type of movies. People call it white savior, you know. But a oh, white savior? Yeah, that's not good enough. No, it's not. It's not really white. Doesn't savior. have enough enough kick to it. Yeah, and it's not quite magical Negro, but. Like I have a term called white people, black people comedy, you know, yeah. and this is white people, black people stories, you know, where it seems like it's a black story, but it's really a white people, black people story. But that was the best part about the Oscars. Yeah. They go up to accept it. Right. And it's like mostly older white people. And, and the Farrelly brother was, you could tell he was like semi mortified. This is like the greatest yeah. moment of his life. Right. He right. won, he, he's just won an Oscar for right. this movie. He spent five years trying to make. Right. And he's like, yeah, yeah, this is great. Uh, thanks. Uh, right. And he's, he just knows he's going to get annihilated yeah. the next day. And, but the thing is, I don't blame somebody like that. That's their point of view. You know, to me, it's and like, that's his job to make who, movies and to make it from his point of view. Right. So it's, I, I ain't mad at him, but to me, it's like people can't get enough of that stuff. You know, white people love that type of stuff, you know? So I had the, Spike on my podcast. The cry freedom type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I had Spike mm-hmm. on my pod a month ago, and he yeah. was awesome. Like, yeah. he brought, like, his A-plus game. He really hated the movie. I just kind of dismissed it. I don't it. think he liked it. Yeah. But he didn't hate or, it nearly or, or as or much as— he didn't like the attention that he got. It's exactly. probably more accurate, yeah. But it paled in comparison to his still— uh, burning hatred of driving Miss Daisy, which he's still, (laughs) (laughs) it's like driving Miss Daisy and, uh, (laughs) and like the five worst Knicks losses or like the six worst moments of his life. So funny. And driving Miss Daisy, fantasy watched it recently. I haven't watched it in a while. Fantasy does the big picture thing for us. And he's like, that movie's just bad. Yeah. It's just like them driving Mm. and an old lady and like nothing really happens. And then when you think about, just kind of how amazing and influential Do the Right play, Thing was. I think it was a stage play. Right. Yeah. But then, like, you think about Do the Right Thing and the legacy of that movie yeah, and how influential it was. Of, a lot of breakthrough movies don't get that attention. Yeah, it's just a bummer. Same thing in music. It's a know? bummer. We but, would redo but he that he should one. have gotten more attention from Malcolm X. You know, once you've established, and now you do a picture like that, he should have gotten more attention for that. So I watched, yeah. I watched, like, the last half of that because it was on TV recently. Mm-hmm. The 25-minute stretch... Before he gets killed, and then when he gets killed, mm-hmm. when, but when he knows he's going to get killed mm-hmm. at some point, get your hand on my pocket, heading to the church, yeah, all that. That is like one of the. That's one of the best stretches of yeah. any movie of that decade. And Denzel's performance. Denzel's amazing, he's and even like yeah. when they're about to shoot him, and he has that weird small smile on his mm. face because he just knows I he knew it was going to happen. Right now, yeah. It was fucking. It's just yeah. an amazing movie, right? Um, and it's a bummer. And he's right. He's rightfully should be pissed about that. I also think he should be pissed about 25th hour. Cause I don't think you should be pissed about those things. I don't think people should ever be pissed about awards. That's where I draw the line. And uh, was it awards or is it just recognition for the fact no, that I don't think so. You because, did good work. No, because look, he got an honorary Oscar. Look, Alfred Hitchcock never won a best directing Oscar. I wouldn't put Spike Lee above Hitchcock, you know, in the yeah. realm of directors. You know, it, Spielberg had to do a Holocaust movie to get any attention, you know. But here's I mean, the thing, and I hate I hate playing this card. And Schindler's was brilliant. It was a brilliant film, True. you know. I hate playing this card, but I really think, like, I mean, the Oscars really were racist. It, they really man, were. The it's, whole country was racist. No, but I'm why, saying, are you, like, why are you just picking on the Oscars? I'm just saying, like, man. The Oscars about, is a reflection of the entire society. This is the best award you can win, basically, if you make movies. Right. And somebody like Spike Lee just said, no chance. Of course not. And I think that's what's That's not a revelation. I don't know, but it's frustrating. 
Yeah, I like things to work back correctly. Then it is what it is. I know? like, you know, I care about the MVP. I care about the Oscars. <laughs> I like, I want no, things to work correctly. No, but you were happy for your boy Bird to win the MVPs. You weren't thinking, he this, deserved this it. This is racist. Magic Johnson should be good in the MVP. No, you, the thing is, most of the MVP choices are actually the right choices. Was, I did, I did a chapter. That was East Coast bias. I did a chapter mm-hmm. in my book about this. Mm-hmm. There's some really bad ones. And what's weird You're is- thinking Steve Nash? Or? No, the worst ever is Carl Malone. Yeah. Carl Malone over MJ. Yeah. MJ was 69 and 13 and was MJ. Right. And people were like, hey, Carl Malone's having a good season too. Probably we should his, vote for him. Probably for his body of work. Yeah, but it was just like people some, were bored of Michael Jordan. They're like, ah, fuck that guy. Right. We're not doing it. Excellence we're not doing creates him boredom. It really does when you have so much of it. I was then caught people the, have to poke holes in it's it. It's a success tax. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like when, when like but the Daily Show. It's kind of a compliment. Remember, yeah. like the Daily Show won like eight straight Emmys or something, yeah. and then there was the night there, and they were like, "Yeah, there's another show that's better." It's like, stop! No, there's not. Yeah. Just remember, keep giving Daily Show the Emmys. <laughs> what are you doing? Now it's last week tonight. That's John. Albert. Right. All right, ma'am. Um, thanks a lot. So, uh, oh, uh, your Celtics. What's up? Last thing. Are they going to the NBA Finals? I don't think so. My Lakers are tragic, there's but your Celtics are. There's crumbling in front of your face, and I don't know if you. Hey, we're on this. pace for like fifty-six wins. Doesn't matter. It's fine. You know, next year you're in a heap of trouble right now. I, uh, I had my official meltdown. I saw a couple of days ago on a pod. You, your then meltdown just won consisted last of attacking my Lakers to help your meltdown. Then we won our last two, better. and that, all of a sudden guys are high fiving and hugging and pointing at each other, you and know now, what's now I feel up. like the. Guy, I you, think they had a very you know important. It's on its way. They had a very important cross country trip. Apparently, you know, first round exit might be on its way. They had a very important plane ride. Apparently, I'm yeah. not kidding. <laughs> yes, they all were like trapped on this plane and had like a life talk. Kyrie did some flat Earth society talking. To I him think Kyrie and... was like, "I've been an asshole. I'm sorry." Uh-huh. He was. He wasn't great, but I'm an optimistic guy, Larry Wilmer. All right, I wish you the best. Thank you, but we'll see. All right, Bill Simmons, everybody. Thanks for stopping by, Bill. It's a pleasure. All right, peace.